The Walks Around Britain podcast is sponsored by Travel, the world leader for vehicle-specific dog guards, boot dividers, boot liners, rubber mats and more. Visit travel.co.uk to check out the product range for the car you drive. On the 35th edition of the Walks Around Britain podcast, we find out the favourite walks in the county of Cumbria from the Cumbrian Rambler, Beth Pipe. And Travel TV presenter Alex Outhwaite tells about her career and her love of walking. Hello and you're very welcome to the 35th edition of the Walks Around Britain podcast. I'm Andrew White and I'm your walking guide through the next 30 minutes of outdoor and walking chat here on the podcast. Many of us have a favourite part of Great Britain to go walking. Sometimes that's a fair way away and the place to yearn for a holiday in. But for others, it's the place where they live and work. And that's very much the case for writer and broadcaster Beth Pipe. So much so that she's probably better known to many on social media by her handle, Cumbrian Rambler. I chatted to her just as she was preparing for her radio programme, and just after she'd had a bit of an accident. Beth, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Have you got anything else that you need to be doing recently? Uh, Time-wise? Yes. Uh, Today, just work, really. (laughs) Have you inhibited your mobility at all recently? (laughs) That's where you go. Yeah, I didn't understand the question. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have. I have. Yesterday, actually. Where are we? In fact, almost exactly 24 hours ago. Yeah, I fell down the stairs and uh, got a nasty fracture in my fibula. Uh, so uh, I'm not as I'm not as mobile as I usually am. Um, what, did is was that as was that as impressive as it sounds falling down the stairs? Um, well, I wish I'd got a better story. You know, it's just <laughs> you know you get a plaster cast and people go, oh, how did you do that? You want to say something dramatic? Oh, like you know, oh, I was I was skiing off Helvellyn and you know, but no, I was doing I was doing housework. Um, At least do striding edge, striding edge, hopping, something hopping on striding edge. Yeah. But uh, but no, there is no impressive story that goes with it. So are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, I'm not in particularly any pain. It's a bit achy. Um, but uh, the doctor said that there's a choice of three places you could break it, one of which doesn't really have a big issue. The second one's a little bit more complicated, and the third one's a real pain to fix. So obviously I've broken it in the third place. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that, that reminds me of that old joke, and I'm not going back to that same place again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> And it was, it was my nan and granddad. There's a, there's a great old phrase of my nan and granddad. My, na, my nan fell downstairs many years ago. And uh, my granddad said, did you miss a step? And my nan said, no, I ate every one of them. <laughs> You've got a laugh, haven't you? Well, you have. I mean, I mean, t- literally this morning, I'm set up to work, but I've been, uh, I've Googled because I'm a knitter. You know, I love knitting. Mm. And I found, I found a pattern for a toe cosy. So, uh, that's this evening's work sorted. I'm going to be knitting a toe cosy. I'm just in the does it need a pom-pom or not mindset at the moment. Because if I can't walk anyway and I've got to keep my foot elevated, I might as well put a pom-pom on it, I reckon. You might as well. I might yes. as well. <laughs> my nan taught me to do knitting, which was quite a, an achievement for a left-hander. Ah, yes. Uh, but I don't know if I, I could probably, it's one of those things that, like riding a bike, I think if I had it in front of me, it'll probably come back. But uh, yeah. Straight, straight. I know knit one, pearl one comes to yeah. mind. <laughs> well, it is. And to be honest, I used to knit as a kid, like a teenager. And then I didn't do it again until I was actually, funnily enough, I was on a walking holiday. And one of the stops, really unsurprisingly for me, was Lakes Distillery. 
<laughs> which as well as having gin also has an alpaca farm ah, part of it makes sense and whilst i was buying all the gin i saw a knitting kit and i thought oh do you know what i haven't knitted for years i fancy yeah i can do that and then completely hooked and that's like 18 months now literally it's it's an obsession so, <laughs> so you need to tell us about some of your books then Tell about some of the books. Well, we when I say we, it's me and my husband, Steve. I do the words, he does the photos. And we write books about history, broadly speaking, about history, hiking and Cumbria, though latterly gin and beer have finished, featured quite heavily. And what, we try, what we've always tried to do is try and... We go for a noise in readers, all right? And it's a, oh... And I remember when we gave our um, my mother-in-law, Steve's mom, uh, a copy, a draft of our first book. We gave her a draft of one of the chapters to read. And, and bear in mind, they'd lived up here and Steve grew up in Cumbria. So she knows the county quite well. She was reading through and every now and again, she go, oh. And I said, that's exactly the noise. We yeah. want to kind of tell people things that they maybe didn't already know about. You know, there's some really well-known yeah. stories about the county, but you absolutely love just finding a little nugget that maybe somebody had forgotten about or it's seemingly insignificant or you know we just love that absolutely just really love and that. how it links to other things as well isn't it as well oh absolutely you know you'll find a little piece of something in keswick that connects with something in ambleside there are there's just connections all over and that you never stop making them you know i was reading stuff over the weekend and just learning about how william wordsworth voraciously fought windermere steamers uh, that he thought it was just wrong to have steamers going up and down Windermere. And I'd, I'd not come across that piece of information before. I just love all of that. You're sort of piecing it together. So, yeah, I love all those sorts of things. And you were talking about the influence of alcohol as well. <laughs> Can I just be clear at this point, actually, that when I fell down the stairs, I was stone cold sober. <laughs> I just... Okay. <laughs> I was doing housework. Uh, I think the worst I'd done. So the moral of the stories don't do housework. Don't do housework. I think the worst I'd done was maybe accidentally inhale a bit of Mr. Sheen, and that was probably the worst. The worst I'd done. I mean, I know gin's very trendy now, but I've genuinely had a lifelong love of gin and just always enjoyed it. I love the variety, love the taste. It's just you know, it's my drink. It's what I've always done. And then, well, a few years ago, Steve had got commissioned to do a photo book, so he didn't need me because I do the words. All I, you know, all he was going to need from me was a few captions. So I was sort of spinning my heels a bit. And I said, you know, we were out on a walk one day. I said, you know, I'm pretty sure you could connect all the distilleries in Cumbria with the walk. Because let's face it, there are so many routes in Cumbria. Trying to find to do something that's different is quite a challenge. Yeah. He was busy doing his photography book and I went away and plotted it. And I said, actually, you know, you can. If, if you include the gin, not just distillers and distilleries, of which actually, to be fair, there are very, very few genuine Cumbrian distilleries. But if you took into account people that are doing flavoured liqueurs, of which there are loads, yeah, you could plot a route. So yeah, I plotted a route, um, roped in a complete, stra- <laughs> complete stranger to do it with. Um, <laughs> because why not? We'd not met, we'd not spoken, we knew each other on social media. The first, literally the first day we physically met and spoke to each other was day one of the hike. And we took off drinking gin for two weeks all the way around Cumbria <laughs> and got to know each other. You see, that's a story, isn't it? That's a story. It was, and it was good, you know, we got to know each other. We tried to tell the story, not just of our hike and how we got to know each other, but, you know, what I was quite passionate about was telling the stories of the people that we met along the way. So why do you make gin? You know, what prompted you? What's your background? How did you get to this point? Why are you making it? And there were some great stories from Andy and Zoe at Shed One, where he's an actor and she teaches English as a foreign language. And they randomly met, I think, in South Korea. <laughs> And now live in Ulverston. And, uh, as you do. As you do, and make amazing gin. And then the guys who make Kuma Hall, who do the most amazing damson gins, 
Uh, in fact, they make them for Fortnum and Mason. They make the old brand Damson Gin for Fortnum and Mason. And they started to support an industry that used to exist in the valley. You know, historically, the Lith Valley was massive for gin and, and Damson Gin and Damsons. And, and then it wasn't. It just it's not a thing anymore. So they started to support all the people who still had orchards uh, full of damson trees. Um, so, you know, really interesting stories for how people got to where they were. And that, for me, that's that's the important thing is telling those stories. It's not about me because that would be quite boring. It's actually about these amazing people who've done these fantastic things and make these just divine products. <laughs> What's interesting is that different take on an area which is, let's face it, extremely well catered for. <laughs> for guidebooks and you know walking guides and all and sundry really it is and it's you know I've, i'm always the person that even you know i mean i've been told many years ago you know um that you know my brain my brain hangs a sharp left where everyone else goes straight on so i do tend to think uh, at right angles to to things i think billy Connolly used that phrase once and everybody went that's, that's you so i always try to think well there's no point doing that it's been done so yeah. why would i try and do it and obviously you've got wayne right so well there's no reason I'm going to go up against Wainwright and start writing about that sort of thing. So I thought, well, there's, there are other stories to be told. And then from the gin book, you're thinking, well, what can the, what's the natural sequel to that? Well, beer, I reckon, microbreweries. <laughs> so, yeah, big thing. So, yeah, microbreweries are huge right across the county. And I think that's the thing with Cumbria. For food and drink, there are so many tiny producers. You've got somebody making, you know, bread, beer, pies, gin, something you know there's so many small cottage industries and it's I know, it's just fantastic you know and they've all got such great stories behind them as well so are we looking at a food type one next then do you know, people have said that what's next <laughs> oh, i think i might be doing accessible walks for a while <laughs> <laughs> accessible walks with pies accessible walks with pies yeah i think that might be what i have to do that's quite niche that could it is, work it's very niche <laughs> yeah we had talked about what's next we thought like is it ice cream we thought the Ooh, ice cream yeah. trail, there's a lot of ice cream producers in cumbria um and then, I, you know, I did toy with the idea of doing the temperance trail. But to be honest, squash doesn't have the same appeal for most folks <laughs> that gin and beer do. Because, I mean, we live in the, the heart of what was Quaker country. And we've got Swarthmore Hall over in uh, in Ulverston. And then there's Fox's Pulpit over towards the other direction. And I said, you know, we could you could connect those. You could do that walk. That would be a lovely walk. Call it the temperance trail or something. And, and mm. I said, but stopping for squash every night. <laughs> If you link that with ice cream, then that could be good. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, we, yeah, we need to come up with a, a better angle there. But yeah, we could do that. <laughs> How do you come up with them with a new concept? Is it suggestions from people, or, or do you just? Is it just that a spark that you get from a random snippet and a random little bit of nugget somewhere? I don't know how things connect in my mind. And I always thought it was the same for everybody. I thought everybody's mind worked that way. And it's been quite a surprise as I've learned that, that they don't. Um, are you genuinely, I have my best ideas just as I'm waking up in the morning. I'm rubbish in the evenings. So from afternoon onwards into the evening, it's no good talking to me about creative things. I know that I need to be doing process-driven things at that point in time. Absolutely no point trying to get me to be creative then. It doesn't work. But I'll wake up in the morning with lots of ideas. And that's that's usually when they pop into my head, is, is first thing in the morning. I'll say, oh, do you know what? Or, or maybe when we're on a hike and, I, you know... You know when you're hiking, you're just sort of looking yeah. around. But there's long – me and Steve, if you're hiking with somebody you know really well, we're not talking all the time. We're walking along, but often in, in amicable silence. You know, we're quite happy. We're yeah. just enjoying each, enjoying other's, each other's company. Exactly. Yeah. So – and that's where my brain's sort of off. But I, I've never been able to switch my brain off. My brain does not have an off switch. 
I, I merely have to switch activities. You know, we might be walking along in silence, but my brain's still sort of, you know, whizzing along and thinking, oh, oh, <laughs> and, and what, you know. <laughs> so uh, Finding something going off. Yeah. Uh, it just has to, otherwise it goes off and finds mischief on its own. So I have to keep it occupied. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be a bit like Bullseye now. Go because <laughs> I'm going to ask you to, I love to tell Bullseye. me about some great, <laughs> it's a long-winded link, this. Oh, go on. It's going to, I'm going to ask you to tell me about some great walks in your neck of the woods, which, of course, you can't do at the moment. So here's yeah. what you could have won. Here's what I could have won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll do, I think we should do, like, easy, medium and hard. I think yeah. that would be quite good. So that's a favourite easy the shores of the lakes are kind of overdone. I mean, they're good. I'm not knocking them. They're lovely. Where could you go for a nice... Well, I'll tell you where we had a lovely walk, actually, just the other weekend. It was up at Gillsland, which most people don't even go. And I'm a big fan of the uh, the east of the county because people don't yeah. go there. Um, but Gillsland is literally right up in the top right-hand corner of Cumbria. And we just did a lovely walk along the River Irthing, just picked up a bit of Hadrian's Wall path. But if you look at MOS map, you can just get off and drop down and make circular routes along there. And as soon as you drop off Hadrian's Wall Path, it's really, really quiet. And, you know, I was putting some of the images on social media and people absolutely loved them. Did Oh, well, where? so many questions. Where is that? It's amazing. Where is this? Yeah. And yeah. there are there are these fantastic walks in the east of the county, which people, I think, definitely need to go visit and do, do more of. Um, Lots of people go straight through the east, don't they? They do. They they come off the M6 and turn left. Nobody ever gets off the M6 and turns right. And, you know, you've got mm. the Eden Valley. You've got bits of the uh, the Loon uh, down at the bottom. You've got the Eden Valley going all the way up. You've got places like the Irving. Just, just gorgeous. But I think it's giving people the confidence to go off and say, actually, go to this place. It's really lovely. And again, that's like, kind of like say what we do. You know, we just try and find the places. And the saying that I often say, which is if we go where everyone else has gone, we'll see what everyone else has seen. Um, yeah. And I don't want to do that. I want to see different things. And I always think that we have, you know, joking apart with the, the word at the moment, <laughs> but I always said that we have accessible adventures. And what I mean by that is that I love reading that the mountaineers and people who've done like phenomenal, amazing things, people who've had these epic journeys. But I said, actually, what we do, pretty much anybody could do with a bit of planning. You know, yeah. it, it's not we're having adventures that anybody else could repeat. It's not you're reading something about, oh, my God, I'd love to do that, but I never could. Actually, what we do, yeah, you could walk what we do. You know, it's it's yeah. not that out of the ballpark. That's brilliant. And that's the sort of thing that I love is that that sense of anyone can do this. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it is. And it's, it's, it's just getting that across and, and just saying, have the confidence, you know, be adventure smart, you know, take precautions. If you're not used to it, do it gradually, do it gently and obviously be respectful. But actually, you can you can do it. You can do it. So. All right, so that was my easy. So tooling around the earthing. Our medium. Do you know what? I'm going to go medium, but with a twist. So it's a popular walk um, and I'm going to stay in the east of the county. But hike up Nick is a great, great walk, but yeah. you have to do High Cup Nick with a twist to make it medium. Right. So you do High Cup Nick, you park up at Dofton, you go all the way up High Cup Nick's really straightforward path. I'm sure you've done it. It's not a tricky route at all. But when you get to the top, yeah. come back down, there's a path that drops down the screes in the middle at the top. And it's a little bit challenging at the top. <laughs> You're going to take it steady, but you can yeah. drop down the screes and go right into the middle of the valley at High Cup Nick. And that is phenomenal. Uh. To actually be in that valley with just high cup nick racking around you is just amazing. I've done because it we always times. see it from the top, don't we? You always see it from the top. And the first time I did it, I was on my own. You know, it was me again looking, going, well, have I got to go back the way I came? 
oh, I reckon you can, there's a footpath mark down through the screes peering over the edge. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> just, but again, just taking it, you know, I'm well kitted out. I've got the right boots. I've got the right kit. I know my limits. And I know if I take it slowly, I can do it. And I, took, I went back and took Steve. I went, you've got to do this walk. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, coming back down through the middle of High Cup Nick is phenomenal. And if you go in August, September, if you do that route, you have to walk back along a tiny little country lane back into Dufton. The slows along that route are the best in the county. <laughs> wow. So I'm back on the gin theme again, I know. <laughs> yeah, I see, I see a reoccurring pattern here. <laughs> and then I suppose the hard route, um, I do have to go with genuinely my absolute favourite route in Cumbria, which is going up Holswell Ridge uh, onto Blencathra. Because yeah. I don't think you can beat that. It's just, for me, the finest. You know, I've done Sharp Edge, I've done Striding Edge. I've done swirl edge, done all the edges, and they're, they're fine in themselves. But actually, Holsfell Ridge, the views are just spectacular all the way through. It's a very pleasing hike scramble. You should really only do it if you've got a head for heights. As I found out, I had a friend who said, yeah, come on, Beth, take us on a really adventurous hike. And they were ultra runners, so I knew they were fit. I had no <laughs> issues there. And I went, oh, come on, I'll take them up Holsfell Ridge. They're super fit. We'll be fine. They didn't have a head for heights, it turns out. So we had to take it slowly at the top. Um, knowing your limits. Knowing your limits. But they said, oh, we want an adventure. And, and they loved it with hindsight. But one of them did get a bit shaky towards the top. But it is a cracking, cracking ruse. How can we find out more about what you do? Um, you can find me. I'm on social media as at Cumbrian Rambler. Sometimes it's easy. You know, I think... It's easy to tell people how not to find me because it's hard to escape me most of the time. <laughs> so like I'm everywhere. I'm working on the premise that there are four people who don't know who you are on this podcast. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> oh, my days. No, you can find me at Cumbrian Rambler uh, on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I tend to do uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, I've got a newsletter that people can sign up for, The Nosy Hiker. That's well worth it. <laughs> Thank you. I was literally, because that came because somebody one day said, are you an amateur historian? And I went, no, I'm a nosy hiker. And I went, oh, I quite like that phrase. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> keep it, keep it. Keep it, it's mine. Um, and uh, obviously now I do radio shows as well for Lake District Radio, which was again just You can another. listen to online. How can we do that? Um, literally just find Lake District Radio. There's an app in the app, Apple Store. There's an app in Google Play. Or you can literally just find us via a link. <laughs> Beth, it's been lovely to talk to you. No, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for letting me ramble on. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> You're listening to the Walks Around Button podcast. Don't forget to get the latest Walks Around Button podcast as it drops. You can subscribe to us using your favourite podcast platform. And if you like what we do, we'd really appreciate a lovely review on that podcast platform too. The Walks Around Britain podcast is brought to you by Travel, the world-leading manufacturer and retailer of vehicle-specific dog guards, boot dividers, boot liners, rubber mats and more. Adding travel products enables you to get out and enjoy walking adventures with friends, family and dogs so that everybody enjoys the journey. Travel offers the best fit guarantee of any brand when purchasing direct through their website or your money back. Visit travel.co.uk to see the product range available for the car you drive. Being a travel television presenter and crisscrossing the globe making programmes could be a bit of a dream job for many. But just how do you start along that path? 
and what happens when a global pandemic halts all international travel. Well, I chatted to Alex Outhwaite about how she became a travel presenter and about her favourite walks in Britain and around the world. But I started by asking her how she would describe herself. I am Alex Outhwaite and I'm a travel television presenter and content creator. (laughs) That's very posh. Well, do you know what? I I have to say that because otherwise people just say, oh, she's a blogger. And I said, well, I'm not a blogger. And in fact, if someone looked on, I mean, I do theoretically have a blog, but if you looked on my blog, you'd say, she's not a blogger. <laughs> There's many, many other people who can do blogging to a, a higher level, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. The blog is just there because occasionally I'll be off filming for someone and they'll say, oh, do you mind putting a quick a quick article up on your blog. So it's just as an addition, really. But yeah, it's the TV side, obviously, that I'm focusing on. Tell us about what sort of things that you do then. So I've been working in travel for probably maybe about eight years now. It was always something that I loved doing, right from earning my first paycheck when I was about 15, 14, 15, I think I was teaching swimming. And it was travel that I'd always saved up for. Um, I went on my first trip away from my parents when I was 16. I went on a dive trip around Egypt. And I mean, I already had the buzz really from travel, but it was just, it's what I've always wanted to do. Um, I've been fortunate enough, like I said, probably over the past eight years to turn it into a career now. And I have to be a bit of a jack of all trades, to be honest. Um, I do videos on YouTube. I present television shows, which are broadcast in about 30 countries now. And of course, in this industry, we've got to have a bit of a social media presence as well. So (laughs) I feel like I'm trying to do about 10 people's jobs, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So travel presenting, how did that sort of take off? It's a bit of an interesting story, really. Um, My degree was in marketing. I think people always presume that I'm going to say I've got a journalism degree, but now I just market myself, I suppose. (laughs) But it actually started after I'd won a a competition. So I entered a cooking competition, which was judged by John Tarode from MasterChef. Oh, yes. And it was to promote British herbs. This is a very random story. Uh, but I recreated a dish that I'd actually learned in Vietnam, but then using British herbs. And I won the competition. I'm definitely not a chef, but I do I do like my food. And at the time, a company called Travel XP, who were based out of Mumbai, were looking for essentially a model presenter that knew how to cook. And I thought, well, I tick those boxes. And I sent over my showreel. I had some presenting examples, but not huge jobs, just little little jobs here and there. And I got a call the next day from the company and they said they were impressed by my showreel and they liked the competition that I'd done. And I presumed I was going to be added onto some kind of shortlist, but this was a call to tell me that they liked me and they wanted me to offer the offer me the job. So within a week and a half, I was applying for visas for India. They'd sent me over flight details. So it was very much thrown in at the deep end, to be honest, with my television presenting career. So what kind of programs did you end up presenting? So the first show that I presented was a travel and food show. So the concept was I was visiting India for the first time and I was meeting generally quite old people who are passionate about protecting the culture and heritage of the food in different states. Mm. So we went to about 15 or 16 states around India and I had the, the chance to meet Maharajas. I met Naga Hill tribes conservationists, restaurant owners. 
And together we recreated these forgotten dishes. So recipes that people perhaps aren't cooking anymore because they're too difficult or the ingredients are hard to get hold of. And I felt like I had the opportunity that just isn't available to the general public. Some of the people that I met and the stories that I'd learned on the way were just absolutely fantastic. And that's quite a, a quite a unique experience, isn't it? And to be able to share that with viewers all around the world was quite amazing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not only was it a unique experience for me, but I've actually had feedback from people watching the shows, even in India, who have said that we've managed to kind of unearth stories that they hadn't heard before. And we were covering regions of India that just aren't known quite as much. Of course, people know you know, Agra and the Taj Mahal and and places like that. But in terms of the northeastern states, Meghalaya, Nagaland, even Bihar, they're just not really publicised so much. They don't have the big tourist infrastructure. And we were able to tell some different stories because of that. And the ability to go to different parts of the world and tell those different stories and visit those parts that few people have ever seen, that's a big part of what you do. It is, really. I've... um kind of carved out a bit of a niche for myself in visiting lesser known destinations. I mean, I've filmed shows in Kashmir, Uzbekistan. A lot of my YouTube videos are from El Salvador. And I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about telling these stories that maybe otherwise won't get told and just meeting people on the way. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't like to stay in a luxury hotel. Of course, we all do. But I actually think that by <laughs> by exploring some of the more rural areas and visiting the local markets, that's where you're really going to find out about a country. You're not going to learn about it from staying in a Hilton somewhere. And the ability to stay for a certain length of time also puts you a difference to other people. That's true. That's true. But that's because I'm freelance. It's a it's a sacrifice that I've made. Um, of course, freelance means uh, month to month, your paycheck is maybe up and down. But I, I love the flexibility. I love being able to travel at the drop of a hat. And like you said, stay for a while in a place. I don't always have a fixed schedule, which means that maybe I've decided I'll arrive somewhere on one day and it turns out I really like it and I can stay a few weeks. And having that flexibility is is amazing. I wouldn't give that up. Now, in the current crisis, it's very difficult to travel anywhere, let alone internationally. How have you coped with that? And how do you think the travel industry is going to cope with it in, in the long term? Well, I mean, it's been difficult for everybody, of course. And I feel very fortunate that my health and my family's health is is good. But of course, in terms of work, it's completely changed the past few months for me. I had some incredible trips planned actually I was due to be filming in Ethiopia which has been on my bucket list for a long time going to be in Finland filming at the Northern Lights so quite a few projects I was really excited about Mm. obviously all of them have either been cancelled a couple have been postponed fingers crossed and I'm just hoping though that when we're able to start traveling again I think it's maybe going to change the way that some people travel because there's been a tendency over the past few years people rush to places and they just want to get that Instagram shot, don't they? Mm. Certainly some people. And I think maybe it's going to encourage us to look at slower travel, maybe immerse ourselves more in cultures, uh, learn about the way of life a little bit and have more meaningful interactions with people and local people. I'm hoping maybe maybe people will prove me wrong and they'll just rush straight back to the all-inclusives. I also think it's maybe going to open up doors for tourism in, in some 
slightly different regions. For example, Georgia, of course, was one of the first countries to start allowing tourists back in. Mm. And they're using it as an opportunity to rebrand themselves almost and become more of a sought-after tourist destination. Now, there's lots of places around the world getting into the walking and hiking areas. What sorts of favourite places have you got in the, around the world to go walking? Um, I've actually done quite a lot of walking around Central America. Um, once again, a lot of kind of Central American countries, El Salvador, Honduras, they are equally rebranding themselves. And they actually have some of the most incredible landscapes without all of the crowds, without all these mm. tourist crowds. Um, I've actually done quite a lot of volcano hikes, um, wow. certainly in El Salvador and Honduras, and just some of the most magnificent scenery. It really, really is. Um, and friendly people as well, which always helps. Mm, yeah. So getting to these places could be more expensive in the future. Any sort of places that you know more closer to home? Where have I walked recently closer to home? Am I allowed to talk about around the UK? Because uh, yes, I'm, I'm a big fan <laughs> of, uh, of the northeast. It's where I grew up. So I grew up in York and my family are now on the east coast near Flamborough. And there are some of the most magnificent walks there. I like going to Malham Cove. I love walking Definitely. there. That's something that I used to do with my family quite a lot when I was when I was a child. And then uh, Bempton Cliffs, where the RSPB reserve is. It's just... It's just beautiful. I think people don't realise how easy it is to see puffins, for example, in England. And some of the photos that I've taken from around around Bempton and people are just blown away. And it easily accessible. There's a great RSPB site there. And yeah, open to all. More opportunities now to be travelling inside the UK as we come out of lockdown. Any great areas that you're looking to go to here in the UK? I'd actually like to spend a bit more time in Scotland. Uh, I used to go a lot with my with my family when I was younger, but as an adult, it's somewhere that I actually haven't explored as much as I should have, really. I've got very mm. fond memories of the Isle of Skye, which is just beautiful, and I'd really like to go back again, and I actually think that it would be a great opportunity for filming because there's certain areas in, in the UK that are always highlighted on travel shows and on vlogs, and I think... There are plenty of lesser known areas within the UK, aren't there, that uh, yes, yeah. that viewers and, and listeners abroad would be interested in. In fact, I've filmed on the Isle of Wight and, and Guernsey, actually, and on YouTube. They're some of my most popular vlogs from around the UK and people saying, I didn't realise that Guernsey looked like this. I didn't realise that the Isle of Wight had, <laughs> had such beautiful countryside. And maybe we're all a little bit guilty of not exploring closer to home i certainly am i'm always looking at going abroad and and the uk is just so stunning and i should take advantage certainly if we keep up with this nice weather <laughs> well i've always thought that we ought to be doing some things together so maybe a scotland trip could be something we should do yeah definitely definitely certainly up in the highlands your people should talk to my people then <laughs> agreed <laughs> alex many thanks for coming on the podcast Thank you so much for having me. That's it for another podcast. Don't forget there's walking inspiration 24-7 on our Netflix walking subscription website, Walks Around Button Plus. Visit our website for a seven-day free trial. And if you'd like to suggest a topic or would just like to comment about anything, then by all means send us an email. 
podcast at walksaroundbritain.co.uk is the address. And don't forget you can follow us on social media. You'll find us on Twitter, Facebook, Insta, Pinterest and YouTube. Until next time, thanks for listening and happy walking. The Walks Around Britain podcast is sponsored by Travel, the world leader for vehicle-specific dog guards, boot dividers, boot liners, rubber mats and more. Visit travel.co.uk to check out the product range for the car you drive.